from the Utah School Counselors Association, this is The Sounding Board, where school counselors share ideas. I'm Nate Webb, school counselor, USCA board member, and every week I'll be speaking with different counselors and professionals that will be giving us valuable information in our counseling world. We cannot wait for you to hear these ideas. Let's get to it. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to The Sounding Board from the Utah School Counselors Association. Today, we're talking about a very important topic, um, promoting diversity, equity, and inclusion in schools. As school counselors, we play a crucial role in creating a safe and inclusive environment for all of our students, especially in Utah. We have a lot more diversity than we probably give ourselves credit for. Most people think Utah is just full of a bunch of white people, but that is the opposite. There's a lot of ML multilingual students, a lot of Native Americans, a lot of Hispanic population, even some African American population. And so it's really important for us to be able to promote diversity, equity, and inclusion. The first step we can do towards that is building cultural competence within our schools. Now, how do we do that? What is cultural competence? Cultural competence is when you can understand cultural cultures of other people. It doesn't mean that you're going to know everything, but it means that you have enough cultural competence um, to to know that you don't know some things, to ask questions, to learn about other people's cultures instead of just playing ignorant all the time. Well, I didn't know that was offensive. That That's not going to fly. Okay. Asking and educating yourself is awesome. So building cultural competence. First, encourage students and staff to appreciate and respect diverse cultures, backgrounds, and identities. This can involve incorporating diverse perspectives in classroom discussions, promoting cultural awareness throughout school-wide events, and providing resources for students and staff to learn about different cultures and identities. You can also provide training and professional development opportunities for school staff on cultural competency. This can include workshops, workshops, seminars, or online courses that focus on understanding and valuing diversity, equity, and inclusion. It can also involve guest speakers from diverse backgrounds who can share their experience and perspectives. I will say hearing it from other people is awesome for kids. A lot of times kids see speakers that don't look like them. And so when you can get speakers or you can have assemblies from people who look like your minorities, from people who look like your kids that struggle, it can kind of ring true to them. Um, also, incorporating multicultural and diverse perspectives into school curriculum and programs, because this can involve reviewing and updating curriculum materials to include diverse perspectives and voices, incorporating diverse literature or other forms of media into curriculum, and integrating culturally responsive teaching strategies that validate and affirm students' identities. Um, we are not aiming to whitewash all of our students because the world is so rich with culture. And so if we can find ways to incorporate other cultures into the way that we work, it can help them to feel more welcome in our schools. Anyway, number two, create inclusive policies and practices. This is interesting one that I hadn't thought much about, but what if we reviewed our school policies and practices and looked at them to ensure that they are inclusive and do not discriminate against any student or group? It can involve conducting a thorough review of school policies, practices, and procedures to identify and address any potential biases or discriminatory practices. It can also involve working with a school and district administrators to revise these policies to promote equity and inclusion. 
advocating for policies that promote equity and inclusion, such as anti-bullying and anti-discrimination policies. Now, here in Utah, a few years ago, we had um, the Do It For Drake um, movement that happened after a young kid in my community died by suicide um, that was reportedly in, in conjunction with some bullying that he experienced. And so they made some anti-bullying laws in response. We can still do much, much better, though, um, because the bullying, especially racial-based racial bullying, is still pretty bad. And it's, it's here at the schools. It's at every school. And then we can do better and we can help change policies so that kids who, who do, you know, they, they, they bully based on race, that we can have policies in place to protect those kids that are being targeted because of their race. Um, also, collaborating with school and district administrators to implement inclusive practices in all aspects of school life. This can involve working closely with school and district administrators to integrate diversity, equity, and inclusion principles into school-wide practices such as discipline policies, hiring practices, and resource allocation. And, you know, if you guys look at your, your disciplinary reports, see how many students are Hispanic. See how many students are white. See how many students are black. See how many students are of different ethnicities so we can see where we can better serve all of our different populations. Because these kids, they deserve just as much help, just as much assistance, and just as much success as any of our other students. Um, number three, promote inclusive language and communication. This one's a big deal. Um, encouraging the use of inclusive language that recognizes and respects students' gender identity, sexual orientation, race, religion, and other identities. This can involve providing training for staff on inclusive language and communication, promoting the use of preferred pronouns, and addressing any discriminatory language or behavior that may arise in the school community. This is a tough one, especially in Utah. There are certain laws in place that dictate that educators have to ask parents and things like that before we can address students by their preferred pronoun. I'm not telling you to break the law. I am telling you sometimes ethics override legislation. Um, you, there's been so many, much research showing that calling someone by their preferred pronoun, that does so much to help them um, and to protect them. And those people have a lot less um, risk of of feeling suicidal ideation if people just call them by their preferred pronouns by their what they want to be called by it's difficult because a lot, fairly often especially in utah there's a lot of parents that don't agree with their students decision and kind of order uh, educators to not call them by the preferred pronoun preferred name and it's really hard on the student and the students really struggle and so if we could promote inclusive language and communication within our communities and schools, revise those policies so that while kids are at school, they can be their safest eight hours of their life. If, if, they, if they're not in a home that's understanding, they can be around adults in the school that are understanding. Um, provide training and resources for staff and students on respectful communications and conflict conflict resolution. This can involve providing workshops or seminars on effective communication um, and conflict resolution techniques and active listening skills that promote respectful and inclusive communication among student staff and the broader school community. Um, this is a toughie too because kids are terrified to talk to each other nowadays. All they do is text each other, or snap each other. 
And so knowing how to have conflict resolution, a lot of it just involves putting down your phone. But anyway, I digress. Uh, Promoting open and honest dialogue about diversity, equity, and inclusion among students, staff, and the broader school community. It can involve organizing forums, panel discussions, other opportunities for students, staff, and community members to engage in open and honest discussions about diversity, equity, and inclusion. We need to hear the stories of people, real-life people. And sometimes we stifle those when it makes us uncomfortable. Sometimes, you know, I've, I've had the experience in my professional career where I've learned truths about other populations that make me uncomfortable because it challenges several of the things within my paradigm of thinking. And because it challenges it, it makes us uncomfortable. But that's good because that means that our paradigm is changing. And so please don't stifle those voices if it makes you uncomfortable. Listen to those voices if it makes you uncomfortable because odds are you need to hear it so that you could change your way of thinking so we can all have a paradigm shift. All right, next up, number four, create inclusive spaces and activities. I cannot tell you how important it is for us as counselors to be a safe place for the kids that we serve. Um, I know that sometimes people think it's really political to put a, a pride rainbow flag right above your door, a little square that just says ally. People are like, oh my gosh, I don't support that. And I'm like, well, you're, I'm not, this isn't saying you support that. All this is saying is that you're an ally. You're a safe place for those kids that might identify as LGBTQ. Uh, but so many other people are just so offended by it. I'm like, guys, it literally, all it means is that you're an ally. You're a safe place for these kids, that you love these kids more than the biases you may have against what they identify with. Uh, But with creating inclusive spaces, offering safe spaces for students to discuss and explore their identities, experiences, and perspectives. Now, it is important to note that by law, we cannot speak with students about their sexual orientation, about their identity, and things like that without a signed FERPA form. from their parents. This is this is this is definitely part of the area, kind of the gray area where a lot of school counselors operate that if you don't have a FERPA form signed, it can kind of get messy real quick. Now, it's hard with that because sometimes students will come out to us, right? And they'll say I'm too nervous to tell mom and dad. And so you can kind of help them come up with a plan to tell mom and dad, but in the end, if they're discussing some of this stuff, you do need a FERPA form. And so being able to do that in a way that is not betraying them in a way that isn't putting them in a worse mental health spot. So for example, one kid that came out to me and they're like, I I, want to tell my parents, but I just don't think they'll love me anymore. I'm like, tell you what, would you like to tell them uh, in my office? Like we can have a meeting and you could let them know. So you have an adult here that you feel safe around. They're like, yeah, that I, I think I can do that. And we did, and the parents were so understanding, and everyone was crying, and it was beautiful. <laughs> but, you know, there's ways that we can help with that. Um, also, we can organize inclusive activities and events that celebrate diversity and promote inclusivity, like school-wide events, cultural festivities, diversity days, other things like that. Those are so fun. So many of those days are some of the most favorite days of mine in the entire school year because we get to celebrate other people. It's so wonderful. And, like, other people is what makes this I don't know, makes the world so cool. And so we love diversity days. Uh, We can also provide resources and support for students who may face discrimination or bias. 
um, counseling services, support groups, resources for students who may face discrimination or biases based on their race, religion, sexual orientation, gender identity, the list goes on. It can also involve working with school staff, parenting, community organizations to provide support systems for those students who face challenges related to their identity. So many times kids feel like that they don't have as enough resources and we're working on trying to get better with that. I know that our district has made an effort, especially helping our ML students, um, but all districts, we can continue to work better. And so instead of, you know, seeing things like this as an insult, we can see it as an urge and an opportunity to improve. And last but not least, number five, engage the broader school community. We need to work with our parents, our guardians, our families, partnering with community organizations and local resources so that we can promote all of this great stuff to promote advocacy, to promote inclusion and equity and diversion and providing ongoing training and professional development opportunities for school staff. Basically, we need to work with everybody. Everybody's on board for this, guys. Um, our, our, the students is what matters most, okay? And we're not here to discuss conservative, liberal. I don't care about that. What I care about is that my students in my office, in my school, feel safe enough to come to school, to learn. That's what I care about. And so that's why we need to step it up and and be better with including um everyone in our schools and giving everyone an equitable chance. So that wraps up our discussion on promoting diversity, equity, and inclusion in schools. As school counselors, it's our responsibility to create an inclusive and supportive environment for all students. I hope you found these ideas helpful in your practice. Thanks for joining us on the sounding board where school counselors share ideas. Don't forget to tune in next week for more insightful conversations among school counselors. Until then, take care and keep on keeping on. Have a wonderful day and we'll see you on the next one. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Sounding Board. Email thesoundingboard at utschoolcounselor.org to send us your questions and ideas. If you like our podcast, please rate and review our show. It helps other school counselors to find us. Links and additional information for any references from today's episode are in our show notes. Check out our website at utschoolcounselor.org where you can listen to past podcast episodes, register for any of our professional development opportunities, and become a member of the Utah School Counselors Association. USCA members also receive a bi-monthly newsletter to stay up to date on current Utah School Counseling news, events, and issues. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Utah School Counselor and on Twitter at USCA Tweets. The mission of the Utah School Counselors Association is to support professional school counselors in their work for students through advocacy, professional development, recognition, and support. This podcast would not be possible without the support of our members. We'll have more ideas to share with you next week. Let's go.